Hello and welcome to the podcast for Christ Community Church in Oak Ridge, Tennessee. My name is Lee Younger. I'm one of the pastors here at Christ Community. And this is a message that I gave on Sunday morning, October 17th, 2021 from the Gospel of Mark in chapter 8. We're going to look at um, Mark chapter 8 this morning. If you'd like to follow along, we're talking about people in the New Testament who were almost fixed. Like Jesus started working in their life and then something else needed to happen. They were almost, almost fixed. There's a couple of miracles like this where Jesus does something and there's something else that needs to be done. And that's, uh, that's helpful for me because I know I personally feel like a lot, like Jesus has worked in my life, but there's still a lot to do, right? And anybody else feel that way? Okay, good. All right. We're going to look at a, a weird moment in the Gospels, a strange little scene that, to be perfectly honest, until I started coming to this church in 1997, I grew up in church, went to church every week of my entire life, and I never heard anybody talk about the story that we're going to look at today. Not until I came to this church and heard Tom talk about it. In fact, like the three stories that happened before this story, the last couple things that happened in Mark chapter 7, the beginning of Mark chapter 8, I never heard any of those things until I heard Tom talk about them. And I, I think you're going to see why. I think they're tricky. And until I read the gospel of Mark for myself, all of a sudden I'm looking at these things and I'm like, I never heard a pastor talk about this. It's because it's a strange little moment. We're going to look at it together. Mark chapter 8, starting in verse 22, um, if, you, if you're reading along. They came to Bethsaida, and some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. When he had spit on the man's eyes and put his hands on him, Jesus asked, Do you see anything? He looked up and said, I see people. They look like trees walking around. Once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. Then his eyes were opened his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. Jesus sent him home saying, don't even go into the village. Okay, this is strange because Jesus is working a miracle, but he has to take a couple swings at it. And that's just a little bit weird because you look at it and you're like, what's going on? Like, did, is Jesus like losing his step? Is he like losing his power? Is he, is he, is he, like, is he, is he getting too old for this game? Like, what's happening right here? And it's weird because this is on the heels of some other weird stories. This is, this is like in, in the midst of a strange week in the ministry of Jesus. Like, for one thing, uh, a little bit earlier than this, and, and Tom actually talked about this a couple weeks ago, a lady comes to Jesus for help, and Jesus first ignores her and then tells her no to her face. Like, I'm not going to help you. And you're like... Okay, I really didn't get that on the flannel graph back in the day. Like, that's, that's not the Jesus that I remember from vacation Bible school or Sunday school or anything like that. Like, I do not remember hearing about that. And then he has one of those things where he feeds a multitude of people with, like, not very much food, multiplies the food, like when he fed the 5,000. But this time it's 4,000. And instead of 12 basketfuls being left over, there's only seven basketfuls left over. And you're like... Wait a minute, Jesus is telling people no. He makes a lot of food, but he makes less than last time. And then he has to heal a blind guy twice. Like, is he losing his step? Like, and, and, and look, there are times you see people in the, in the world that like, you know, 
they probably should have retired a little bit early. Like those, you know, you see one of those professional athletes and they just don't quite have it the way that they used to have it. And you're like, please stop. Like I saw the other day, no kidding, that you can buy concert tickets in 2021 for the Rolling Stones. The Rolling Stones. And I'm like, look, I, I love the Stones, y'all. I'm not, I'm not saying you shouldn't like the Rolling Stones. The Rolling Stones were great in 1965. <laughs> like, what, are you going to like rock out in your leather pants at 78 years old, Mick? Is that what, have y'all seen Keith Jackson in a while? Like, it's, <laughs> anybody can wear the leather pants if you want to, it's fine with me. I, I rescind that comment. Scratch it from the record. But I mean, they wrote, I can't get no satisfaction 56 years ago. So it's like, Mick, you might want to look somewhere else. I don't think you know where to go. But it's like, come on, that cannot be as good a concert as it was like 40 years ago. It's like, or you know, like some things just get worse after a while. It's like, there were, like that movie, The Matrix, was one of the coolest movies of all time. Just innovative, amazing. There's this guy who's a, who's a banjo player with Alison Krauss named Ron Block. He loves Jesus. And he says that The Matrix is the greatest movie about Jesus that didn't, need, that didn't mean to be about Jesus. He said it basically perfectly mirrors Augustine's book, The City of God. Like, he, he's like, this is amazing. And then The Matrix Reloaded came out, and we were all like, uh, swing and a miss. And then the third one, and it was like, dude, no. Like, it's so bad. And this year, they're making another one. And yeah, I'm going to see it. <laughs> I'm going to go see it. Some things just aren't as good later on. You know, it's like egg rolls at a buffet. You got to get them while they're hot. Otherwise, that's just a, it's like when fries cool off. It's like, it's over, you know? And so you look at this and you're like, is, is that what's happening? Like, is Jesus losing a step? He has to heal this guy twice. He makes less food for the multitude. He, you know, he wound up helping that lady, but at first he tells her no. Like, what's going on with Jesus? And, and so let's clear something up from the jump. No, Jesus is not losing his step at all. He is not, he's not losing his power. He doesn't, he wasn't surprised by it. He wasn't like, oh, oh man, let me, let me just uh, roll up my sleeves here and take another crack at this problem that you're having. No, I mean, Jesus, by the way, Jesus was, hadn't even had some of his greatest hits yet. Like he's, like you flip over into the next chapter and he has the transfiguration where he literally just starts glowing in the dark on the top of a mountain, like brighter than the sun. He's a, he still hasn't, like, raised Lazarus from the dead yet. I mean, some of his greatest top 40 bangers have yet to happen. I mean, yeah, this blind guy takes a couple, a couple of swings at it, but it's later on in the ministry of Jesus that with Bartimaeus, he doesn't touch him, he doesn't spit on his eyes, he just says, your faith has healed you. Boom, the guy can see perfectly. He's not losing his step. He's not losing his power at all. And this takes us to something really, really cool. And I hope that as, as I talk about it, I hope that what happens inside you, I hope that the Holy Spirit joins with these words and you just have a welling up of praise for who Jesus is. Because this is so cool, y'all. Jesus, everything he does is completely intentional. Everything he does is for an absolute reason. He's got a purpose behind it. He's not losing his power. Everything he does, he's perfectly deploying his power in exactly the right way to completely meet that person's individual need. Because every single person that Jesus sees, he sees as an individual with dignity, with an individual story 
with individual problems, with an individual like look at the world. And everything, I don't know if you know this, but every miracle Jesus did, he did completely differently from, a, from any other one. Like a couple of different people have leprosy, he doesn't heal them in the same way. One guy he touches. Other guys, he just yells from a distance. Sometimes he says, go show yourself to the priest. Other times he doesn't. Like some blind people, he like, you know, one time he made little mud cakes, whatever, and put them on the guy's eyes and said, go to Siloam and wash. This time he spat on the guy's eyes. One time he just said it. Like he did all kinds of things. One time he raised somebody from the dead by just like saying the words into a tomb. One time he leaned down, touched a little girl's hand and called her, little lamb, get up. He did something different every time he did whatever he did. Why? Because every single person is an individual with the dignity of getting to have Jesus' undivided attention. Every single person. You are completely and totally unique. That's, what, that's good news, by the way, because it means that whatever's happening in your life, it's not that Jesus isn't paying attention. We need some amen on this. It's not that Jesus has fallen asleep. It's not that Jesus is losing power. Jesus knows exactly what you need. He knows exactly how to meet whatever you're going through with the perfect either delay or deployment or timing of his power, of his heart, of his compassion, of his wisdom into your exact situation. Isn't that amazing? It's so, so cool. It's the complete opposite, by the way, of the way Satan works. The way the enemy of your soul works, he has like three plays he runs. He's the most boring offensive coordinator in the history of ever. He's got three things he does, and he does them on everybody, and he does them all the time. And yeah, we fall for him too much, but that's, he's only got a couple plays. You want to know why? Because he thinks we're all just the exact same thing, mold injected, and just like, just like standardized parts. We're just raw material. He doesn't care about your story. He doesn't want to know your story. He doesn't, know, he doesn't need to know anything about it except how he can use you. So one of his plays, it's a classic. He does it on everybody. He does it exactly the same way. He may, we'll just kind of zoom in on one of them. Paul says we are not unaware of his scheme, so we'll zoom in for a second. He makes you feel insecure about yourself. And so the next thing he does is get you to look around to figure out why you should feel good about yourself at other people. I know, because I feel bad about me, I'll look at other people who are not me, and I'll look at them and see how do I compare with them. Well, guess what? You can't compare with them. You're a complete individual. There's never been anybody like you. So why would it make sense for me to compare myself to somebody else? And, I don't, and I'm like, I don't know, but I like his house. And I like their family. And I like their in-laws. You know, I like, whatever it is. Like, you just, you look around at their clothes, their money, their whatever, and you compare yourself to them. And then you start feeling jealous of them. And then you start to hate them like a mick-hate, like a diet-hate. <laughs> Maybe sometimes you just go ahead and make it full strength. And then that, you know, that turns into some self-loathing. Anybody, by the way, ever been down this road that I'm talking about right now? The insecurity, the comparison, the jealousy, the self-loathing. And he's got that one play and he's just like, run it, you know, send it in with the wide receiver. Just run that play. By the way, I don't know this for sure because I've never been there, but I bet at like Satan HQ, the greatest day in the history of ever was when social media came out because he was just like, oh, this is going to be good. This is awesome. They're going to look. 
I didn't even plan that one. That just came out, Satan HQ. I don't know if it's called that. But like the day that social media came out, that had to be like the greatest day ever. Two weeks ago, by the way, you guys remember this, like Facebook and Instagram shut down for six hours. I bet that was the biggest panic at Satan HQ in like a thousand years. They were like, everybody get on IT, like call Ralph. Like where, what happened? How is it shut down? We have a massive spike in self-esteem. What's the Wi-Fi password? Get those servers up. Like it was six hours where people were like, just like, I like me. <laughs> because he's got like three plays, because he doesn't care, because you're just like mold injected little carbon copies of, you're just a human. You're just a chance for him to wear, just somebody to wear out so that he can hopefully stop the progress of the kingdom of Jesus. Satan's problem is he doesn't, he, I'm sure he knows it because he can quote scripture, but his problem is he doesn't believe in Psalm 139. You remember that beautiful song that David wrote where he said, you created my inmost being. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. That word fearfully, it's a word that's used other places to say, to mean awesome, like awe-inspiring. I praise you because I was awesomely and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. And all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Jesus believes in that psalm, by the way. He knows that, you know, like one of the dumbest things that people ever say, and I've probably said it before too, so I'm not want to put anybody out there as like, oh, you're so stupid. But like, I've said it too, but like, you know, when they made so-and-so, they really broke the mold. There is no mold. There's knitting needles. There is, there, there's nobody else that's like anybody else. It actually makes no sense for me to compare my life, my story, my lot, my anything, my marriage, my family, my, my parenting, my anything with anybody else. There's never been anybody like me. You ever said that about yourself? Doesn't it feel a little weird? Like, ooh, I don't even know if I could say that. It's a little electricity flowing. Like, there's never been anybody like me before. Because there is no mold. There's just knitting needles. It's incredibly painstaking and individual. I was reading a guy one time who said, every human life is peculiar and lonely. It's a word that, like, peculiar, we, we, when we hear the word peculiar now, we think that means, like, weird or, like, outside the norm or whatever. And I guess it could mean that. But it really just comes, it, well, it comes from an old Latin word about, like, your, like, your, your, like, cattle or your property. And it's like everybody has their own property. They have their own life. You have your own thing. It's not anybody else's. Every human life is individual. Every single human being has a story like nobody else's. And so Satan runs the same plays all the time because he doesn't believe in Psalm 139. And Jesus does. And so everything he does is individual. The delay, the deployment, the degree, the timing of the release of his power is all fueled by his compassion about your story. Individually, taking the time to make it perfect. It's all fueled by his love for you. My guess is when you look at like different, uh, different miracles of Jesus, like, you know, when he said to that little girl, uh, Talitha koum, Talitha means little lamb in the language that they spoke. 
I bet, and I, I, I don't know if I'm right about this, but it's one of the first questions I'm going to ask is I'm going to ask Jairus, if I get to hang out with that guy, hey, out of, uh, just out of curiosity, is Talitha, was that your daughter's nickname? Like most dads give their kids nicknames and our kids have like six nicknames apiece. And I bet he would be like, yeah, that was her nickname. Because I bet that Jesus wanted to bring her back into the world with the sweetest, most tender possible name. And how did he know it? Because he knows her story. He knows the whole thing. I bet the, the more you knew about Lazarus, the more it would make sense that he waited four days. The more you knew about the guy who was born blind, the more you would know why it made sense that he washed in the pool of Siloam. Like, what if you found out that that was the tenderest, sweetest thing that Jesus could have possibly done for that guy because of his story? I guarantee you it is. And so one of the things that we have to do when we're walking through the confusion and the struggle and the pain of our life is hang on to the idea that Jesus knows me. He knows what he's doing. He's timing this thing perfectly. Everything that he's doing, or right now maybe it appears like he's not doing, he's doing because he loves me. It's all fueled by love. Every bit of it is fueled by his compassion and love. I bet if we knew this guy's story, the, the guy who thought that people were like trees walking around, like those guys in the second Lord of the Rings movie, the Ents, that if, if we knew more and more about that guy's story, I bet it would make perfect sense that Jesus did it this way with this guy. I tend to think this about him. I love this guy, by the way. One of my favorite people in the New Testament. I tend to think this about him, that this is the kind of guy who just says whatever he thinks. Just a bold guy. Because here's the deal. If I had been the guy in Mark chapter 8, it, you wouldn't, it wouldn't have given you much out of the story because Jesus would have, you know, he would have spat and then touched the eyes and then he would have said, okay, Lee, open your eyes. Do you see anything? And I would be, and I would, and it would be unclear and I'd be looking back into the village and I would be seeing the ants and everything. But then I would have, if Jesus said, how do you see? I would have been like, it's great, Jesus. Oh, everything's awesome. Way to go. Good job. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> see ya. You know, and I've been stumbling over, because like, uh, because perfectly honestly, I talk that way. People ask me how I'm doing. I'm like, I'm awesome. How are you doing? I'm great. Don't we talk to each other that way, y'all? You see somebody in the street, you're having a hard week, and they're like, how's it going? Awesome. So good. Like, you have no idea how good it's going. Um, we do that. We, we talk that way. And I'm so thankful that if he was going to heal somebody in stages, it was a guy that's bold enough to look Jesus in the face and say, you're going to have to take another swing, Jesus, because it's not good enough yet. Get down here and get back to work. Don't go anywhere, tree person. You know, and so Jesus has to take another swing at healing this guy. I'm so glad it was that guy. I'm so glad. You know, I, I think that if it had been me, I would have told Jesus everything's fine because because I think that so many of us, I'm going to say this quick and then I'm going to take my seat. We'll be done. So many of us think that the point of a life with Jesus is just to be sorted out and a-okay. The point of this whole thing is we're supposed to be sorted out and a-okay and everything's supposed to be great and we're supposed to be sinless and completely happy and everything's good. Are you good? I'm good. Everybody's good. Isn't that great? That's what a lot of people think the point of the Christian life is. And that's why, by the way, so many of you think you're failing at it. Because we think that the point of this thing is to be sorted out and A-OK. Here's, uh, I stole this from John Newton, so don't think this is like too brilliant, but it is a little on the edge. So um, he said it about a similar thing. If the point of the Christian life is to be completely sorted out and A-OK, the Holy Spirit is not very good at his job. Because how many of us are? 
what if the point of the Christian of a life with Jesus is not to be sorted out now? Okay, what if the point of a life with Jesus is for you to live your life with Jesus in it? Your life. The confusing, the painful, the lovely, the fun, the hard, the difficult, the sweet. Your life, your little individual story. All the stuff you can't figure out, all the stuff you're waiting on, all the stuff you're dying to happen, all the stuff you absolutely adore. Your life. What if the whole point of a life with Jesus is you just live your life with Jesus in it the whole time? Take all your joys to him and say thank you. Take all your difficulties to him and beg him for help. Everything you feel weak about, ask him to to give you strength in it. Everything that you're really, really upset about, take it to him. He's a big boy. He can handle it. All of it. All of it. See, here's the thing is, if we can get good at that, I'm just going to live my little life with Jesus in it. All of a sudden, I'm not failing anything. I'm right where I'm supposed to be. One thing I love about this little scene um, is a, a couple of things. One... They bring this guy to Jesus. Jesus pulls him away from the village, away from the people. He, I don't know how far away they walked, but it was just him and this guy. Just him and this dude. And then Jesus put his hands on him. And then the guy said, we're not done. And Jesus didn't mess with him. He didn't chide him. He didn't smite him. He didn't do any of the things that we might assume. He didn't get in trouble, anything. Jesus said, okay, let's keep working. How about that? How about a life like that? Me and Jesus alone. He gets to work on me, and I get to tell him we're not done yet. That's pretty good, right? We can all handle that. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for this morning. Thank you for these scriptures. Thank you for this moment. Thank you for this guy. I love this dude. I pray that you would give us the courage to just live our little life without being taken in by the stupid tricks of our enemy, but our little life. In honesty, in boldness, including you in every piece of it. And I pray that you would help us a little bit more this week, just a little bit more, to believe that you know exactly what you're doing and that everything that you're doing, deploying, delaying, all of it, all of it is fueled out of the individual compassion and love that you have for me, for us, right now. Lord, give us, give us faith, give us courage, give us honesty, and give us a week where we're turning to you just a little bit more. Thank you, Lord. It's in your name we pray. Amen. When I needed rescue.